My conversation today is with Aaron Leach. Aaron is one of the most established and well-known contributors in the occult and magical communities today. He's been an active scholar and seeker in the Western esoteric traditions for three decades, and his literary output has included three hugely influential books, comprised of two volumes on the Enochian language and an introduction to the Enochian technique of angelic magic, as well as a brilliant study of the magic of the medieval Western grimoire tradition and many contributions to important compilation works, such as Llewellyn's Complete Book of Ceremonial Magic and The Light Extended, A Journal of the Golden Dawn. Aaron is also one of the most well-versed people I've spoken to in the Western traditions, and a fellow frauder of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. An easy and extremely knowledgeable conversationalist, it was a special treat for me to speak with Aaron on the topics of initiation, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, his occult curio shop, Doc Solomon's, and the state of the magical and esoteric communities today. I'm Ike Baker, and this is the Arcanum Podcast. But you're you're an adept yeah. of the uh, of the Hermetic Order, the Golden Dawn, and you, forgive my ignorance. Uh, but how long have you have you been in in the uh, the order? I joined in 1998. The before <laughs> times. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's incredible. Well, it's been God. What has it been? Almost 25 years, or a yeah. little over 20. Yeah. Yeah. 2017 would have been 20 years. So yeah. Wow. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's, it's, that is pretty crazy, man. I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot of, I'm sure you've seen a lot of change in just uh, magical communities in general in that time. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. And you've been a part of that actually. Yeah. Since the, since the neo-pagan heyday back in the nineties, when that was like the big thing. Yeah, but I, I guess I guess the type of of magic you're well known for would would it be fair to call that uh, Solomonic magic at this point? Yeah, Solomonic, the Solomonic system. Yeah, yeah. So were you were you into that uh, primarily before your forays in the uh, HOGD, or did you kind of get into it by way of or during? I came along um, before my interest came along before. Um, you know, back when I first joined or joined, when I first got involved with occultism and, and kind of became a, a member of a, of a group of people out in Denver, it, w- it was a loose connection of people. It wasn't like an order or a coven, but um, all the way back at that time, I, you know, I was brand new to occultism and just kind of putting my feelers out there, you know, and I, I heard tales of these powerful books of magic that had all the old all the old secrets that the prophets and the Bible were using to call down the angels and to command the spirits and stuff. And I just, it just, it really piqued my interest. And, uh, you know, I had to study, I had, I had to find out what those books were and what they were really all about. And, um, I would say, cause I didn't join the golden Dawn until after I completed Abramelin. Cause I did Abramelin in 1997 wow. and it was my guardian angel that told me to join the order. But I, I would not have been able to perform Abramelin if I had not already been learning from Oshani Lele. And he was my, he was my principal teacher and just in what we, what you would call operative magic, you know, just, mm. just practical magic. And I was learning from him and that is what allowed me it. That is what number one began to unlock the grimoires for me and allowed me to perform Abramelin. So it, it all kind of started right there in that same period of maybe a couple of years you know i i uh, started learning from oshani started delving into the grim wars performed abramelin and then the next year i was in the golden dawn so wow everything just went from there so from that point onward it was all simultaneous yeah and i guess i guess you've derived a tremendous amount from that work to to have to to still be working it to to some degree i'm i'm assuming right uh all these years afterward Oh yes, absolutely. I yeah, I don't talk about it a lot online. Number one, it's a secret society, and mm-hmm. you know, it's we. I've I've seen what happens when people get online and start talking a lot, and it just it doesn't do any good. <laughs> so I, I just stay out of that. 
I, I don't join any Golden Dawn groups on Facebook or any of that stuff. I just keep to myself and my order. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm an officer in the Mother Temple, and uh, you know, just continuing to do the work, you know, a little bit yeah. by little bit, working my way up the grades, and you know, and and benefiting from the initiatory ordeals and experiences. Yeah, that work continues and will continue until I die. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, maybe maybe even in the next life. But <laughs> um, yeah. so so how did the uh, the Doc Solomon's Occult Curios venture begin for you? That it 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 was kind of a slow burn. Um, it really all began with a folder in my old email account, and the folder was called Magical Help. And basically, anytime someone would email me and they had a problem and I could help them as a magician in some way, either they were on the path and had questions or maybe they needed something, you know, tarot readings or spell work or something. And anytime I could help, I would do that. And I would put all that into this one folder into my in my email. And um, that folder got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it got so overwhelming that I had to start charging money in order to kind of slow it down a little bit you know mm-hmm. and there's a lot more to that uh, my re- my my decision to charge money as well uh, a lot of it had to do with people valuing what you give them by what you charge them for it so right. i got really tired of giving the best advice i could give and then they would just ignore it you know and i found that if i would just you know just ten dollars five dollars ten dollars just something that was more of an energy exchange and it made them more likely to listen and actually maybe take the advice and so that's where I began. That's where I began charging for services, simple divinations, simple, you know, uh, uh, services. And then it went from there. Um, I realized uh, at one point I realized that I could, you know, I could con- I could just gather together the ingredients and make some incense and consecrate it and sell it. And then I did it with holy water and then I did it with holy oil. And just little by little, I just kept adding things to it until it became the full store. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that must that must have been a. You just probably just your your skills probably just get so honed, and there's so much practice over time. You know, through that kind of uh, experimentation, it actually sounds like. Um, well, I'm not going to say that that it sounds completely fun, but <laughs> it sounds like an excellent <laughs> yeah. an excellent kind of way to become uh, the best possible magician you can be. Well, I got to agree because. Where it comes to, especially to the Solomonic system, um, but even more so to Abramelin, um, one of the thing, one of the things in Abramelin that it, it states very clearly in the book is if you, if you attain the the sacred wisdom and the sacred magic, and then only use it for yourself, they'll take it back from you. Mm. So you are literally mandated to help your community to share what you have gained with your community. Um, and doing that and doing, you know, the Solomonic work, it really keeps me on my toes. You know, there's a whole different uh, mindset, a whole different angle that you're looking at the tradition from when you're doing it for other people. And that has just been incredible. I mean, it has really unlocked so much more of the tradition for me personally, once I start actually applying it for other people. And it, it really does change everything. Yeah. And what's interesting to me uh, now that you're saying that is, I I guess um, a lot of the the grimoire stuff uh, was originally sort of uh, pieced together from the notebooks of, of, of Catholic clergy and, and things of, uh, of this sort. Um, And, you know, the work that they had been doing was, you know, in terms of exorcisms and sacraments, I mean, it was, it was highly, um, you know, service based so that that's it's kind of an interesting parallel to 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 see that tradition as an again in this ex, this extension of of service um spiritual service to a community and i think that's a really great sentiment absolutely and that's that's really how it was done back in those days you know you you had the book whatever the book was, if you had the the Heptameron or the Key of Solomon, just just possessing the book was enough to get you respect on the streets. And then you could, I mean, there were, there's even whole stories uh, about people who were completely illiterate. They couldn't read a single word, but they had the book. 
and they could sell their magical services just on that fact, even though they couldn't read anything out of it. They didn't necessarily admit that they couldn't read anything out of it, but they couldn't. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of power there. And on top of that, um, just the practice. You know, if I'm working for myself, if I, totally honest here, if I were working for myself, I would hardly look at the phase of the moon or what sign the moon is in or, you know, whether or not it's Wednesday on a, you know, hour of Mercury, all these little things that for myself, and even the key of Solomon says, once you become adept, you don't have to be so detail oriented on all these little things. That's all just to get you started. And once you've got connections with the spirits and the angels, then you don't need all of those bells and whistles anymore. Or I, I shouldn't call them bells and whistles because that indicates that they're pointless. They're protocols. You don't need all those little protocols once you have the established relationship. So if I were just working for myself, a lot of that would go to the wayside. But because I'm working for clients and I, I advertise, I will do the work for you on the right hours with all the ritual solemnities, everything exactly the way the key of Solomon or whatever grimoire we're working from says that this item needs to be made. We will follow that. And because of that, it's forced me to follow those protocols for a lot longer than I would have on my own. Mm. <laughs> and I think I've gotten a lot out of that. I've learned a lot more about those protocols and how they interface with the spirits and, and it, it makes a large difference. And I don't think I would have learned that just being a solitary. Yeah. You know, actually that's, that's something, um, it's some, I'm not I'm not necessarily a a uh, Solomonic magician myself. You know, um, there's so much uh, just in the Western esoteric tradition to to parse out and to experiment with and and to kind of I I, I see it almost as like um, particularly in something like the Golden Dawn where you're kind of being sort of quote unquote classically trained in all these different uh, types of 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 magic throughout the the Western esoteric tradition and their symbol systems the their the, you know their their various workings and and things like that you it's kind of like uh learning scales and then you you kind of learn to develop your own style i guess you kind of move in a direction that you feel called to and you know i guess the the grimoire stuff has really um <laughs> me being like born and raised catholic the grimoire stuff kind of is intimidating to me, you know, so uh, yeah, yeah. it's I've, I've still it got was a little... to me, and I, I was raised Protestant, so yeah, it's it's you know, you're kind of raised. That's a that's the exact kind of thing that you fear dabbling with if you were raised in the in one of the religions of the book. You know, all these old yeah. angels and demons and spirits, and yeah, it's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, and then if you take a look at at certain things, I mean, and I I only have peripherally, but you see this this really hyper specific protocol, as you're saying, that I know other practitioners um, of grimoire magic they attest to that constantly. Like, no, 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 you can't skimp out on any of this stuff, or you won't get what they got. You just won't get the same right. thing. Um, but right. do, do I, I'm assuming that's kind of a part of what you do with the the Doc Solomon's thing is you, you're kind of doing that work uh you know assisting people to do that work and and I'm, I'm i'm sure that there's plenty of hyper specific you know materia magica that that you have to go out and get and i'm assuming that hunt might be kind of fun every once in a while i think i saw butterfly butterfly blood calligraphy on here and then i clicked mm -hmm. the link i saw mm -hmm. it with saffron but i was like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and that's that's the thing you know if you read the old book it doesn't tell you what butterfly blood ink is so that's it's one thing I tell all my students, you know, this isn't the kind of magic you just sit down and step one, do this, step two, do that. No, it's it's a quest. You know, the, the book tells you these are the materials you need, and then you've got to go find those. And, you know, and then you have to put them together in this certain way and perform these certain rituals at these certain times. So mm -hmm. it really is a quest to gather your materials, find the the time and the place to do the the, the rituals. You know, it's... It's not a make it up as you go along. This is not one of those magic systems that they go, oh, hey, you know, just do what works for you. You know, just, hey, you know, it doesn't really matter. If, if you don't, if you don't, if you, if you don't have a red cloth, just use that polka dot one you got. It really doesn't matter. No, that, that's not what this is because, you know, we are, this is spirit magic. Uh, number one, it is not psychological model magic mm -hmm. and the psychological model. And the, I'm not talking about, any magic that involves psychology because all magic involves human psychology 
but I mean the psychological model of magic, which says that magic is not real and it's all just in your head. Um, if you've ever read Aleister Crowley's initiated interpretation of ceremonial magic, that is the heart and soul of psychological magic, that the spirits are just names that we generated to access different parts of our brain and mm. the, the, the incenses and the candles and the colors and the sounds and all that that goes into making the ritual are just to put you in a particular mind state, you know? Mm -hmm. And while those things are true, you, you, you are, they are there to put you in a mind state. The system does not pretend that the spirits are not real, you know, and they are, they are real, they are objective to you. And they demand certain protocols in order for, for you to obtain their respect. So if you're just making this stuff up, you know, whatever just works best, you know, whatever timing you wanted to do it at, you just feel it doesn't matter. And they will give you back exactly what you put into it. Mm -hmm. So if there's an obscure item or ingredient and you could quest for it, you could go out there and use, especially with the internet. I mean, we can find almost anything today, but some things are still going to be difficult. You may have to learn what it is, like the butterfly blood ink. You have to study its history and learn what it is. Then you have to learn how to make it or obtain it. You know, you can get it from Doc Salt, some of this stuff. We don't make everything the Grim Wars require, though. Mm -hmm. um, and if you do that, if, if you put that effort into doing it right, the spirits will oblige. They will mirror that back to you. Or you could take the choice of, well, you know, I don't really, I can't really get that ingredient or it would just take too long. It'd be too, nah, 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 nah. I got this right here and I'll just substitute this. Mm -hmm. Well, the spirits are going to see that and they're going to say, okay, well, apparently this isn't all that important to you then. Mm -hmm. And they're going to give you what you gave them. They're going to, you're going to get out what you put in. So it's, that's course, that's true of all magic. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's absolutely right. Um, uh, but that's interesting because it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about um, once you have formed like the links or the relationships, right? Because what you're saying kind of it, it kind of betrays this sense of something that people don't normally, or I should say that a lot of people in my experience haven't. They don't seem to have thought about it very much about these spirits as objective entities, um, which I also, you know, I, I believe and I have experience with that. Um, they have personalities, right? Because they're, a, they're objective. And, and so um, I'm wondering, you know, I, I'm assuming you, you must have formed some relationships there. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the, that is the basis of this magic. Um it's one reason I tell people I, you know, don't do cold contact spirit work. You know, oh, I, I need, I, I need this thing. I need a raise at my job. So let me look through the list of demons here. Oh, this guy, he can bring money and job opportunities. So I'll call him. And then you call him, make your wish and banish him away. And that's that, that will never work for you. I mean, you may get some results, but it's not going to be very powerful and it's not mm -hmm. going to be very reliable. Um, but if you called that same spirit, and set up an altar to him and started to feed it and work with it and get to know it and build a relationship with it. And every single day you have a back and forth with this entity and eventually you develop that relationship. Now you have a spirit who actually has a reason to give a damn about you and what happens to you. And then you can ask it for these favors. So yeah, it's all about the relationship and the relationship or relationships, depending on how many spirits or angels you work with. Um, those take years, yeah. You know, That's decades. Fascinating. You know, I, I mean, I mean, a lot of people, especially in the in the chaos magic community, and I'm trying very hard not to make fun of chaos magicians anymore because they're getting really upset with me. But they're they're very big into paradigm shifting, mm -hmm. and they'll tell me, "Oh, I I tried your paradigm. You know, I jumped into that Solomonic thing, and and I did it. I mean, like, I believed it. I really practiced it, and I tried that for you know, I must have done that for a couple of weeks, and then I figured I got what I needed out of that, and I moved on to the next paradigm. And it's like, then you haven't actually experienced my paradigm because you don't know the power that would be at your fingertips if you let those relationships develop for twenty years and not two weeks, mm. you know, and then you you. When you stand there and you're performing these rituals, and this is true in the Golden Dawn too, you know, you stand up and you perform a ritual and then it dawns on you just in the back of your mind while you're vibrating, 
uh, just going with the Golden Dawn example, while you're vibrating these words of power, performing these, you know, these geometric figures, and it dawns on you how many years you've been doing this, how many decades you've been doing this ritual. And it just, it really, it, it really sinks in deep. You know, it's a, it's a really uh, powerful experience and it's not something you can just jump into and out of and say, yeah, been there, done that and move on. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, that's a really important point. Um, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of that, you know, I, and I, I'm not, again, I try, I try my best. Everybody who knows me says, understands that I try my best again, like you're saying, not to poke fun, but, but in all sincerity, when you, when you traverse something as serious like this, as this, you know, and something that requires so much of yourself, it, it is something that has to unfold over a, a very long period of time for you to even to begin, like even with Golden Dawn work, for you to begin to understand what it actually is and, and to absorb the actual magical worldview. You know, it's not typically, especially nowadays in, in this very kind of, you know, dead materialist, skeptical uh, type of, you know, paradigm that we're living in a lot of people are feeling disenchanted with that and they're kind of just playing, they're playing with it. They're flirting with magic and stuff like that. And then back off a little bit. And there's not a whole lot of uh, commitment there. And I find that, yeah, it's the commitment really that, that, that allows you power, you know, at, at the end of the day, like actual access to these, uh, I guess the best possible word I can say uh, can, can use is like a current, you know? Yeah. It's very much, you know, like you said, it takes time and it's, it's going back to the golden dawn paradigm. We're talking about spiritual alchemy mm -hmm. and you know, that's alchemy. One of the best descriptions of alchemy I've ever heard. And I got it from my golden dawn studies actually is that alchemy takes processes that nature would do by itself over decades, if not hundreds of years. And because we're human, we can, speed those up so you're not doing anything unnatural to the material you are you are doing what should come naturally but you're helping it take place faster right and that's exactly what the spiritual alchemy is uh you could theoretically gain the maturity and wisdom just over an entire lifetime and you could become a 90 year old very wise person but by undergoing a spiritual alchemy process, especially when you're younger, you can get that process going a lot faster and, you know, and gain more wisdom and knowledge. And, and yeah, and that takes, and I'm, I'm sitting here saying it's faster, it's shorter, but we're talking years and decades right. as opposed to an entire lifetime. You know, um, it makes me think of, of Abramelin. Uh, people keep asking me, well, isn't there a shortcut to Abramelin? I mean, that's a six-month ritual. I mean, isn't there a shortcut? Yeah, Abramelin. That is the shortcut. <laughs> the six months to achieve what it might otherwise take you a lifetime to achieve is incredible. Mm. So stop trying to look for an easier way out and just do it. <laughs> so it's all about the commitment. It's all about saying this is going to take a lot of time from my human perspective but I'm going to do it. I'm, you know, I'm going to start now so that 10 years from now I can look back and have 10 years under my belt and not look back and go, well, that was 10 years wasted. I didn't do anything. Mm. So yeah, get started and be committed to it for the long term. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, that, that commitment and that patience um, that slowly, that is part of a, 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 not to get too psychological about it, but right. Every physical, every physical thing has a spiritual consequence because of how, how, you know, intimately related, um, you know, things are, uh, uh, on either side of the veil really. But, um, you know, Absolutely. those things are considered to be magical powers, you know, like the, the will and, and, and strengthening that and, and, and learning, you know, patience and a constant redirecting of your, you know, uh, your focus and things like that. I've found that to be transformative in and of itself, you know, on top of it's sort of an added benefit to, uh, to the other stuff, because then I'm the type of person if, and when that power comes who can handle it, you know, who can do something productive with it. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah, along it's, it's all Sorry, go, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, it's all part of the slow learning process, which is what the order accomplishes by breaking things up into grades. You know, uh, people assume that a secret society is all about this culture of, oh, that's above your grade. You don't need to know that. And that's really not the way it is. That's that's not the feeling we get. In fact, in my temple, which is Chick's, the, the Sis Chick and Tabitha's temple, mm-hmm. um, they're very, they have a very strict, uh, uh, if you ask a question, they'll answer it, you know. Um, it may be above your grade and they may have to tell you there's a lot that I can't really explain until you get to the grade, but they'll still answer your question. There's no lording hidden knowledge. It's just broken up into the grades so that you can digest it and study it and, and, and advance one step at a time through the, through the magical side of it, through the personal. And and this is where the psychological part comes in. Cause like you said, it has to make you the kind of person who can wield the magic. And that works in the Solomonic material, too. Um, I get a lot of people who ask me, oh, this is a big one in my Abermelon class. Why is it that we've performed Abermelon, but we still have these hardships? I thought having this guardian angel was supposed to make all that stop. And I tell them, no, that's not at all. Because there are pitfalls in your path. And your guardian angel is there to shove you into them. And then stand at the lip going, come on, climb up. You can do it. Come on, climb back out. Because the guardian angel wants you to be strong, wants you to be tough, wants to know that you can get up on your own feet. You don't get a guardian angel and then it pampers you and babies you and makes you a weakling. So, and all magic works the same way. They're going to test you and they're going to try you and they're going to temper you. Again, it's it's alchemy. You're going to go into that Athenor and they're going to burn you and they're going to temper you. And then when you come out the other side, you know, you'll be pure gold. You'll be strong. Yeah. Um, so I have, uh, I had somebody ask me a question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also uh, a frauder of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, but I feel like you would be much more suited to, to answer a question like this. Um, so I, I, I'll pose it to you. I was asked if, all the information about something like the Golden Dawn, right? Any any esoteric order. If 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 all that stuff is available online, if it's at our fingertips, what are the advantages? What's the impetus to actually joining some kind of initiatic uh, lineage? You know, um, and I had quite a bit to say about it, but I'm interested to hear to hear your thoughts because it sounds to me like you have a really nice balance of both group work and individual stuff going on. It really depends on what you're asking. Are you asking what's the point in joining a working order or are you asking what is the point of the lineage? The, the a working order, like why would I well I guess I guess you know I that's the way I read the question. I read the question. I, I guess I should have clarified, you know, and again, that's why I think you're a better person to answer than me. But, um, you know, yeah, I read it as, well, why do I have to leave my house and and kind of learn to trust other people if I can just figure it out on my own? Well, <laughs> the way you phrase the answer right there at the end, I think is is almost obvious if you're because it goes back to what we were talking about. You know, if you're just doing magic in the privacy of your own home for yourself and no connection to the outside world, then you're not accomplishing much. Mm-hmm. Um, they're leaving your house, learning to trust others, becoming part of a community. That's all part of becoming an adept. If you're just a recluse who's afraid of people, how are you going to be an adept? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but a more practical uh, answer to that is where it comes to the golden dawn. Now this could be different for other systems, but when it comes to something like the golden dawn, that is a group system. It was written as a group system. It was written to be done in a lodge. Um, anytime we do golden dawn work at home, and I'm not talking about adepts, personal temples at home, but you're just, you're not in the golden dawn. You're learning magic. You grab a copy of the, uh, the Cicero self-initiation maybe, and you're just doing the work at home. It's always going to be pared down. It's always going to be a home version of the same thing you would get of, of the, the bigger production you would get at a temple. So yeah, it's always pared down, simplified, watered down even uh, in order for someone to work it at home. Um, whereas in a temple that is an established working space. You have, I mean, 
not only just the trained officers who are there and they understand all the things that are going on on the astral that you don't know during the ritual, um, but the furniture, the, 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 the scepters, the robes, the everything, everything in that temple is charged and powerful and has what, uh, what within the, the ATRs they call Ashe. Uh, we would say magical power, but it, power is kind of a weird word. Ashe is kind of like life force. Um, and all of those things have Ashe. And the longer that temple's been around, and especially, you know, if you're in the Cicero temple, which is the mother temple of a worldwide order, there hundreds, if not thousands of people have come through there and said the words and done the rituals. And um, in that sense, you have to think fourth dimensionally. You know, you don't just look at your temple in the third dimension, look at it in the fourth dimension. And if it's just your personal temple, then it looks the same pretty much in the fourth dimension as the third, because it's just you and that room and that's it. But in a, in a working order uh, or a coven or, you know, what have you, you have all fourth dimensionally, you've got all of these people coming through who have all done the same thing as you and are all on the same path as you. And that, that's, that's a, that's, that's harmony, you know, um, this is very similar. And I hope I'm not changing the subject too much, but it brings to mind uh, when people ask about changing the rituals. Um, so this plays into it. You know, why can't I personalize the rituals? You know, I don't mm-hmm. like this particular line. I, I want to change that. And then I tell them because of harmony, when you perform that ritual and you perform it the exact same way, hundreds of people before you in time have performed it. You are essentially performing that ritual with them. All of their voices are added to yours. All of the, everyone who's ever performed that ritual is there with you when you're performing it. And every little change you make moves you further away. Wow. And you can keep personalizing that ritual and personalizing it and changing it until you're no longer doing the same ritual as anyone else. And then you're singing alone. No harmony. Right. Yeah. That's, that's powerful, man. And I think it, it says something about this spirit of, I, 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 I guess I conceptualize it as like a radical or hyper individuality that kind of misses the point, you know, like, like we, we need to tend, I think towards balance and everything. And, and one of those things is, I think it's, that's the perfect analogy is what you use is learning to sing in harmony. I mean, because anybody who, anybody who has um, sung, with a choir or something like that, or even just a harmony with, with, with two or three other people, it's way more powerful than singing alone, different type of experience. Even the Bible says it, you know, if two or three people come together to pray, the Bible says their prayers will be answered. And remember back then praying usually meant singing. So they were probably in that, in that biblical passage, the author was probably imagining people coming together to sing and when you sing to God and you can harmonize with others and you feel that, you know, if you go to a golden dawn temple and they say, all right, everyone gather in the center of the temple, we're going to link hands or we're going to perform the middle pillar. And everyone starts those vibrations together. And it is just amazing. You know, I, I, I can vibrate all day here in my home, all I want, and it's powerful and it works, mm-hmm. but it is nothing compared to when you stand in a room with 15, 20, 30 other people and all of them join into that harmony. And it's it just it it just shakes the whole, you know, astrally speaking, it just shakes the whole room. It's 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 something you have to experience, you know. Yeah. So that's really my answer, both on the lineage, because of that fourth dimensional harmony through time thing. That's what the lineage is about, you know. Mm-hmm. You've been initiated by a person who was initiated by a person who was initiated, you know, and it just goes all the way back through time. And that's that harmony. And um but also from the standpoint of why work in an order when I could just work at home, because it's, it's, it's very powerful. And there are so many aspects of the system that you would never see or experience if you were just working it alone, because it is meant to be a group system. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's, a, th- those are great answers. And, and again, you know, the, the the last few words that you you left off with there emphasizing the experiential component which is super important and I think we're I, I I feel this 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 desire from a lot of people to have some sort of you know either cathartic or or a sort of catalytic experience but so much of it is is you know uh 
sort of experience prohibitive, right? Because you're using in, in either case a book a lot of times or like a, a screen as a mediator. And and experience has to happen, you know, one to one, I think, a lot of times, particularly in the magical paradigm. And yeah, that that middle pillar example is is um is a perfect example of that. And and it's it's really those type of things that that create an alchemy, right? I think that's that's one of the the, the, the coolest things, one of the, the most beautiful things, um, like you were saying, is is the golden dawn ritual and the fact that I don't have nearly as much intentionality because I don't, I don't know as much, you know, I, I, as, you know, if I were to construct a ritual myself as being put through, you know, the, the, the rituals of, of the, um, the golden dawn and, and so that, that are, have been so, like you say, they have that life force and they're, they're so finely dialed in for a specific purpose. And these lines are just so, so, such, you know, they, they flow along such well-tread uh, paths, as you're saying. Um, but experience for me is, is, is really the, um, what was the key? Oh, absolutely. You know, I find that no matter how much you study a ritual, you can even write it yourself. You can write your own ritual. So you know it more intimately than anyone else should. Mm-hmm. And you still don't know it until you get up and try to do it. You know, because then you're going to find out, oh, this doesn't work here. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, I'm all right. this, I put this line here and that, that, no, I'm on this side of the room, but now it wants me, no, I need to fit. And there's also, I mean, stage directions, invocations, all sorts of things that you'll tweak after you've tried it on your feet and studying it in the book. You'll think, you know, it, you'll think, you know, every word of that ritual and every nuance of it. And, oh, brother, you don't know how many times I've seen this. People come to the mother temple and they're old school. They've been doing Golden Dawn for 20, 30, 50 years. They, you know, they, you know, they, they know it all. They are highly respected. And then we get out in that temple and we start to do like a neophyte opening and they wander around that temple completely lost. And then you have like neophytes and zealoters going, no, no, you need to, you need to, you need to be over here now. Oh, no, 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 wait, no, no, not that, not that line yet. You need to do this line. And it's like, these are the these are the old guard experienced people here, but you can tell they've just had very little opportunity to actually get up and do it, you mm-hmm. know. So that's that's what's important, and I think that's what's important about the existence of the order today is a place to go to do the thing to to actually experience it and put it into practice. And yeah, it's like night and day. You'll never understand it in a book, getting it from a book. You'll never really understand it. Yeah. And you'll never really understand it until you get into the second order. And then you won't really right. understand it until you're up in seven four. I mean, I'm 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 five equals six. I'm not six, five, or seven four. So I'm telling you right now, I don't even understand the golden dawn system. <laughs> yeah, there was <laughs> because a I pe- haven't seen that there, material. There was a period of time where I would like you know, I'd talk so confidently. That's one of the most awesome things about the golden dawn. There was a period of time where I'd talk so confidently, and then you you hit the inner order and you're like, wait, I regret being so confident about everything I said because yep. it's, it's, it's kind of different now, it's but um, y- you know, that's viewpoint up there. Right. And, and I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, not to, not to belabor a point or beat the horse, but there are a lot of people out there now, nowadays that um, on the internet specifically that have kind of like the wrong end of the stick when it comes to, to stuff like this. And, and it's interesting for me because I, um, you know, when I first got involved, when I first got interested, I should say in Western esotericism, there was no place on the internet to find it. The internet existed, but there was just, there was, there was no place that was reliable. And then there was kind of this little weird period in like, the the mid to late 2000s um and 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 the 2000 teens and were there were some really cool things happening here and there and now they're just like completely washed out so (laughs) it's like there's so everything's so hyper saturated now that it's it it, it kind of it it drowns out a lot of the um the good stuff but uh but i know that you've you've been there you you've had you've sort of had a presence for a long time uh on the internet yeah, I'm what they call an int. 
I've been around. I've been around for so long. I'm just like a, an unmovable tree that hardly reacts to anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, if, if anything, that's, I feel like that's, that should be a product of, right? Like a test of your adepthood. All right. You did not, you've done all the rituals and the work. Now go out there and spend four minutes on the internet and see if you don't lose your mind. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Yeah. It, honestly, disconnecting from most of that is usually better than the, the alternative. You know, I, like I'm on Facebook, but I, I had to leave every Golden Dawn, every Anakian, and every Abramelon group. Actually, I left every group except my own um, and a couple that are run by guys like Joseph Peterson and stuff like that. Um, and those are a real niche, uh, 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 high signal to noise ratio or low signal to noise ratio. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not very busy. They're not very populated. And they're very good. The information you get there is incredible. And but yeah, most of the golden like just today. I don't know if you saw. I just posted today about you know just checking out a Golden Dawn group on Facebook today just to see what was there. And I made it about halfway through the first post and went nope. (laughs) (laughs) But I always tell people you have to remember that when it comes to a cult, when it comes to anything that humans do, you're always going to have a very large circle of wannabes and hangers on LARPers, people who are pretending to be the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within that circle, you have a smaller circle of people who are at least very sincere. They're not just LARPing or, you know, they're, they're sincere, they're trying. And then in that circle, you're going to have the really super dedicated people who like make this their goal and their work. And then in that, so you're going to have a, a smaller circle still as you get in toward the center of the really dedicated people who made this their life and are the teachers and the authors and stuff who pass it on to the next generation. And that hasn't changed. So, you know, the internet isn't making it worse. It's just the internet's letting us see more of it, mm. but uh, okay. you'll see the same. If you read Agrippa, he said the same thing back then. Oh, today, everyone thinks they know magic, but they're all just LARPing at it. Of course he didn't say LARPing, but you know, he said the same thing then. And you can go back to even older texts and they said the same thing then. And it's always been the same. Yeah. So, you know what I, I learned it's just like leaving all the groups on Facebook and just concentrating on my own. That's what you have to do is just, you don't have to go out there and participate in all our circle of LARPers, you yeah. know, just concentrate on the dedicated people. And we're still there. We always have been and will be, but we're always going to be small in number. And right. yeah, that hasn't changed. It's not getting worse. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I, I was reading something recently on, uh, on like, um, uh, a little passage, uh, an interpretation. It was actually an academic interpretation of, uh, of, uh, a snippet from on the mysteries by Iamblichus. And it was the same, he was saying the same thing, which I'm like, wow, you know what? Yeah. The more things change, the more they stay the same in these communities. <laughs> yeah. It, it really, yeah. It's all the same complaints. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a very good point because it can, it can feel overwhelming. It's, it's really good to have that kind of grounding perspective that it's really, it's just a human thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's no different than any other, anything else you can study or practice. Every community has that, those concentric circles and it's, it's always going to be the same. And, you know, the people on the inner circles can rant and rave about the people on the outer circles, but I, I just kind of see that as a waste of time and energy because those outer circles are always going to be there. And, you know, the really dedicated people are always going to start in that outer circle and trickle in. So I, I don't really see there any, you know, I, I make, again, I may, I spent years making fun of chaos magicians, even though I'm trying to taper that off a little bit, but that's a good example. That's a very popularized kind of very easy kind of suits yourself kind of magic, you know? Um, but you'll have people as much as I may make fun of the LARPers there are serious chaos magicians out there who are sincere and who mm-hmm. are putting into practice things that they get from like real chaos magic books. We're talking, you know, the old school uh, chaos magicians, you know, um, like AO spare and those dudes, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and then among them, you're going to have them a few number of them who are going to take you know magic very seriously and learn even other you know systems beyond chaos. And, and so it's the same, it's just the same story over and over. Yeah. Um, so like, what do you, uh, in terms of magic, you know, you, you've, 
you've been doing this for um, a long time and you've, you know, you've presented your yourself as a resource to a lot of people. So not only with, with, with Doc Solomon's, but also with, you know, uh, as an author and um, some of that is, you know, some of it is, is right. Angelic, right. The Enochian kind of stuff. And, and some of it is, is more Solomonic. Is there anything that you're super interested in right now that, that you haven't really, um, had any output on or, or, or anything like that? Something, any aspect of magic that you're, you're kind of, you're super diving into at the moment, or are you kind of more just committed to, to, uh, to the stuff that you have, I guess the, the wheels you have spinning. Yeah, I'd say right now it's, it's more about the wheels I have spinning. Um, but I'm also not the kind of person, at least not now, maybe when I was younger, but I'm not really not the kind of person who's always out looking for the next best thing. Right. Uh, going back to the, the time, the building, the relationship, the dedication, you know, I'm, cause I, I already practiced the Solomonic system, the Anakian system, the Abermelon system and the golden Dawn system. I, I think if I were to, and not to mention, you know, I've got connections to neo-pagan communities and, mm-hmm. and, and all this. I think I, I, I just don't see the point in going out and looking for the next hottest thing, you know, the next bright and shiny, because just in what I'm studying now, which is actually kind of broad, Mm -hmm. um, it, it, all the mysteries of the universe are kind of right there. And I'm trying to take those as far as they'll go. And, you know, like my Anakian work, you know, I, I, I I wanted to, I didn't want to read the Schuler's Anakian books. I didn't want to read other people's Anakian books and their take on it. Even the golden dawn, I, you know, it's no, it's no secret. I'm not a huge fan of the Golden Dawn's Anakian system. Um, it, it's fine, but it's not deep purist. I'm more right. of a deep purist, and um, I'm kind of forgetting the point I was going to make about that. But the original point was, I'm not really. I, I want to take those as far as they'll go. You know, oh, that's the point I was making with the Anakian stuff. You know, I wanted to sit down and not look at all these modern interpretations, but read these journals, mm-hmm. what he had to say, and what the angels actually said to him you know and that's kind of been my the way i've approached everything the grimoires and the Abermelon system and golden dawn and it's it's about going in and experiencing it myself and taking that system as far as i can and each one of them is a lifetime of work right so yeah there's not any new hot tech that i'm trying to play around with um you know i actually that's kind of a lie that's actually a lie because Aside from my magical pursuits, I'm also very into virtual reality and I do uh, 3D modeling and some oh. virtual reality development. Um, and I I am in that sense, very much a cyber mage because I like mixing the two. And I don't mean mixing the two like I'm creating virtual reality rituals. Um, but I mean, like, for instance, I created... Um, this one environment, I have a YouTube video uh, exploring it, uh, but I created this environment that is a golden dawn temple. And you can go through the temple and click on any object in the temple. And it will tell you all the symbolism of that object and what it means in the temple. And then if you go to the altar, you can click on the altar and it will guide you through the entire lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram where you can actually see everything on the astral that you're supposed to visualize when you do the ritual. And I like, I want to explore more of that. I want to explore, you know, uh, making path workings in virtual reality. So instead of sitting in a temple with somebody giving you a guided visualization, which by the way, I hate guided visualizations to me, that's pointless. But instead of listening to somebody give you a guided visualization, you can actually load up this program and go there and actually go down that path and encounter the entities and encounter, you know? So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot going on with technology today that is very exciting where it comes to magic. So if that's the kind of answer you're looking for, then yes, oh, yeah, I am kind of into that. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's awesome. That's so cool. I like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not huge into, into VR just because I, I don't, I don't really know much about it, but something like that would definitely pull me in. 
Yeah, VR is something. Since I was this tall, I had I dreamed of finally getting into VR, and that one day it would be accessible and I'd be able to do it. And we're finally there. I have two VR systems in my house right now. That's awesome. You made it. We made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're getting there. VR's got a little ways to go, but there it's going by leaps and bounds. So awesome. That's fascinating stuff. It's definitely a. I mean, people. <laughs> People until now probably would have considered that a type of magic. So that's, you know, there's a lot of crossover there. Absolutely. But I have you know a, what uh, Asimov said. Isaac? Yeah. Or was it Wells? No, it was Asimov. You know, any sufficiently advanced technology will appear as magic to. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so I have a couple of canned questions that I ask everybody. Um, it's just two of them. And there is no, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. It just sincerely curious um, because most of the people I have on, well, all of them are practitioners to one degree or another. That's why I kind of do this. You know, there is a lot, there's, there are amazing channels out there that have like much more of an academic focus, but I really, I really love talking to practitioners. Um, And so I guess my question, uh, well, my question is how do you experience magic? How do I experience that's, that's a, right that's a for, very open question. So for, 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 <laughs> like, pe- for people who have been doing it for a really long time, it seems, you know, like, well, like, you know, uh, well, you know, at this point, my entire life is, is, is magic, but really the, the, the question stems from me having asked so many people, how do you define magic? And it just kind of, everyone seemed to have the same kind of Crowley-esque answer. So, you know, it's, it's causing change to occur in conformity with the will, some kind of version and add on to that. So Mm -hmm. I I found it, I found it to be a little bit, you know, and, and I do, I do, it's funny to watch people squirm because inevitably everybody does because of how open a question it is. But, you know, I guess in lieu of asking somebody how they would define magic, I guess it gives a little bit, I'm, I'm looking for a little bit more personal insight into, you know, the, like we're talking about the experiential components of magic that you're just not going to get from reading a book. Mm-hmm. I hate to be redundant, but I think it goes back to the relationships we were talking about, building those relationships. And the way I experience magic is very influenced by Oshani Lele. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Oshani Lele, I don't know if you know who he is or not, um, but he, or who he was, he's passed. Um, but he was, uh, he was a Centero. And I, I, he was a Centero and a Polaro. And um, my wife, Carrie, she's actually his god sister. She followed, she went with him into into Paulo um, and she learned Paulo from him. I wasn't really called by the African, uh, the the Afro-Caribbean deities and stuff. So I didn't really follow him into the tradition, Uh, but that didn't stop us from talking. And I mean hours upon hours I, I i would i we both worked overnights and i would leave my job at like four in the morning and i would go to where he was working and just sit there and talk to him until like seven or eight in the morning when he had to go home um and he was the one that opened my eyes to the reality of spirits and that it's about protocols and i would watch him the way he experienced magic and we tend to kind of experience magic in the West almost like it's a college course. You know, it's something you study. It's something you maybe do on the weekends. It's something, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of a hobby. But if you meet a Centero or a Polero or someone who practices voodoo or one of the, what I call the old magic, the old systems, the indigenous practices, you'll find that it's, it's, it's an everyday uh, devotional thing for them. You know, you don't do this, you don't approach this spirit without first going to this spirit and getting its permission, or you don't work with these spirits without doing these particular protocols. And you don't, and these are things that I'm not just doing this because I need to make rent this month and I need some extra money. I'm doing this because I have to do this every day, or I have to do this every week. And I have to maintain this altar and I have to maintain this relationship. Um, And that's my experience of magic. That's what I picked up from him. You know, my house is full of these altars. Uh, The main ones are, of course, my guardian angel's altar, the altar for my spirit familiars, 
But then I have seven altars around the house, one for each of the archangels. And we have a couple others besides, like Bast is here, and there's a couple others. And these have to be maintained. They have to be taken care of and, and kept clean. And uh, and you have to work those altars on a regular basis. And th- this comes back to the business. Because of the business, I'm always going to these altars and doing candle lightings for people and working those altars. So when you make it a devotional practice, and it's something that you have to keep up every day, whether you need anything from the spirits or not, uh, that's my experience. And, you know, you build those relationships. And then when you do need something, it's like you hardly, it, that's where you get the kind of magic where you can just wave your hand and stuff happens. And you're, you, that's not really what's happening. What's happening is you've built up so much ashe and so much inertia from working with these spirits and working their altars that when you do need something, it's already in motion and it just flows. So that's my experience, you know, devotional, lifelong dedication as opposed to just a hobby or something I do when I have the spare time. That's beautiful, man. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like I'm going to just name this episode like uh, excellent advice for budding magicians. (laughs) 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 That's kind of what we've been going over. Um, the, the, uh, the other question that I ask is for anyone that have, has been listening to this podcast, uh, and we've covered a, a good amount of stuff, but, um, if they wanted to do some further research into some of the topics we've covered, whether that's grimoire or golden dawn or, uh, Enochian, could you recommend three books off the top of your head? Uh, and, um, that you would recommend to those people. Well, three books. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll cover Solomonic, Enochian, and Golden Dawn. Cool. Um, Solomonic Magic, I'm going to have to recommend my book, Secrets of the Magical Grimoires. Um, It's a little dated now, and there's some ideas I have in there of my own interpretation of things that have evolved since then. Uh, Like, for instance, I insist in the book that the old Grimoire demons are not the ancient pagan gods. Actually, they are, but I was... I just wasn't ready to accept that at the time. <laughs> so there's a little changes, but it still remains the best primer on the market for the Solomonic tradition. You, you can take that book. And if you read and study that book, you will then be able to understand any other grimoire that you pick up and want to work with. Um, so that's what I recommend there. Um, on the Anakian side of things, again, I got to go with my own book. Um, but if you... It's a little hard just to say one book because I've got three right. and they're all kind of interconnected. Um, but I've got one that covers just the story of Dean Kelly receiving the system and what the angels were really trying to tell them and what D was trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second volume of that is a lexicon of the language itself. And then the third volume, it's not really the third volume. It's another book, but it's called the, the essential Anakian grimoire. And that's like all the basics, how to do the rituals, what all the different angels' names are. It, li- it really is a grimoire that you can just carry around the circle and do the work. So for Anakian stuff, that's the one I would recommend. But you're definitely going to want the angelical language books, too, um, eventually. And then for no- the category number three, the Golden Dawn, uh, it depends on where you are and what your interest is. Uh, they've got an ex- uh, The Ciceros have an excellent book. Uh, well, first, let me just say anything by the Ciceros. I mean, if it has the name Chicken Tab of the Cicero on it, that's the book you want. Um, You can branch out to other authors later, but start with them because they've written the whole library (laughs) of modern Golden Dawn text. Um, But if you're like brand new, you want to start with self-initiation into the Golden Dawn tradition. Um, But if you're, they also wrote a book called The Essential Golden Dawn which was actually designed for you as a golden donner to hand to people who are like, what's this golden Dawn thing you're into? And they've never even heard of it or no. And that's the best book. If you literally like, what's this golden Dawn thing, the essential golden Dawn, I mean, outlines the history and the personalities involved and what the system is and all the historical uh, precedents for that system uh, you know, the different philosophies that led into the golden dawn philosophy and different magical systems. So that's a great primer right there. But for practical purposes, if you're going to get up and do it, self-initiation. Sorry, that's way more than three books, but you can't just, you can't narrow this stuff down to just three books. Nobody ever does. <laughs> I figure, yep. I figure yeah. they probably don't. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
I mean, that's. Uh, do you have anything else? But um, before we we end the call, uh, that you that you'd like to either um, mention that you've got going on, or just uh, any final thoughts for anybody that might be listening. Uh, not a lot new going on. Um, uh, coming off, um, I, I got sick for a couple of weeks there. And of course we've had the pandemic, we've had supply chain issues. So the business kind of took a hit there for, mm. for a good few months, even maybe a couple of years during the pandemic. So most of what I'm working on is trying to get that back on, under control. Uh, our turnaround time on orders has been pretty bad. So I'm getting that all the back order here. Um, but as far as new stuff, when I can time to work on, because um, right now I have a one-on-one it's available online, it's pre-recorded, so you go through at your own pace. Um, and I'm really working hard to try to get the 201 course, the advanced material done. So at some point this year, I will have the 201 course. So it's going to have uh, uh, working with guardian angels, working with angels, summoning uh, Goetia, working with spirits, all that kind of stuff is going to be in the advanced course. Awesome. So that's, that's the new thing that's coming up. That's going to be the next thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, Aaron Leach, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, man. Um, uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope that I speak with you again soon, man. Awesome. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, this is, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking yeah, man. About stuff. All I'm right. Well, <laughs> well, likewise, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's why right. we're here. <laughs> yeah. Have a, have a good night. All right, brother. You too.